Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're very welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Maurice O'Keefe. This is the third podcast in a series of three podcasts, all relating to the story of Drummond House in Carberry and County Kildare. The first podcast was an interview with the late Grattan de Courcy Wheeler, who passed away in 2020. In November 1915, on the death of Miss Anne Grattan of Drummond, he inherited Drummond from her. He was chief medical officer of Monkstown Hospital, and he continued uh, to live uh, in Monkstown, and he came down to Drummond at weekends and for short holidays. Mm. That podcast went out earlier this year. That was followed with the discovery of historical papers in the attic of Drummond House. Jim, uh, you've made a fantastic discovery here uh, in the attic. So will we head up? Will you show me where you found oh, yeah. these papers? Yeah, yeah. They're basically the letters was in different places. They were all in, on the floor. Uh, see, the roof here was leaking. So some of them got damaged, they got wet, so I just got them out and got them dried. And that podcast went out during the summer. And now this final podcast in a series of three is the story of investigating and archiving of the Drummond House papers. So let's get started. I recently returned to Kildare Local Studies and Archives in the town of Kildare, to find out what was in the collection of those Drummond House papers. And I first spoke to Kevin Murphy. Um, well, you can see there's a, an awful lot of uh, background work and, and um, I suppose some of it is, is mundane and tedious in that you're having to to take out each individual document and, and make sure it's, it's uh, flattened and... and um, work through um, each individually and that they're grouped together as the order that they were taken out in bundles. Yeah. So there's a lot of um, background work um, involved for, for Carl and, and the team here. And archivist Carl Connolly has been kept busy sorting out the Drummond House papers. So this is a sample of what we would have taken from Drummond House during the summer. Uh, we took a suitcase, which is the, the kind of original suitcase found in the attic, which was stuffed with all these papers. And then there were other boxes of papers, um, all bound up with string and brown paper. And the, what you're looking at here are two of those that are still unprocessed. 
Uh, there were many more boxes. Um, this is the much older material. So this is the 17 and 1800s material. And what we've been doing is slowly but surely taking each bundle apart, cleaning it because they're very dirty. They were stored in an attic. Um, cleaning them down, flattening the paper. Some of them are um, water damaged, but a lot of them are in really, really good condition once you open them up. Uh, often it's just the ones on each end of the bundle that are very, very dirty. When you get into it, they're pristine. I don't think any of them have been opened since they were put into the bundle. Some of them in the very early 1800s, they're, they've never been opened, I'd say, until we, we open them up here. And just going back to the attic in Drummond House for a moment and to recall that day that a trunk full of old military uniforms and swords were found. Wow, this is amazing, isn't it? That red coat is a hunting jacket, but the other one is a military jacket. It has Liberty Rangers on it. So I'm wondering, is it a militia unit or... I'll have to check it out. My colleague here, James uh, James Darney, is uh, is works here with with us here in the local studies and archives collections. I think his special area of interest is military history, um, and particularly military history in in County Kildare. Obviously, there's strong links with the British, as the Corra was the uh, headquarters of the British Army in Ireland um, over a couple of hundred years. So there's there's strong links there as well. So. Um, James will will be able to maybe assist you with some of the other items that we've discovered. We found uh, two remains of uniforms. Now they're in pretty poor condition, and one of them is a green kilt that we found at Drummond, and it's similar to the Gordon Highlanders kilt, which is black watch tartan with a yellow stripe over the green bands. And again, as we're saying, it's in very bad condition. Would need to be restored and conserved to be of of uh, of good value. But also what we found most interesting was a red coat we found at Drummond. And on the buttons of it, it described it as the the yeomanry corps of the Liberty Rangers, which were raised by the Earl of Mead. And they were used in defence of Dublin Castle on the evening of 23rd of July 1803 against rebel forces in the Emmet Rising. And they continued patrolling the city of Dublin uh, after the Rising. Uh, They were... um, at the time, the Lord Mayor of, of Dublin, was um, he commanded the Liberty Rangers Yeomanry and he was Sir William Wartington, who was a knight and alderman of Dublin. He died in 1814. So that's all really we've been able to find out about the uniforms. But again, as I was saying, they're in very poor condition and they would need to be conserved. And it would be a shame to see them go to waste because you know this, this is they're 220-odd years old at this stage, you know, so they would be worth uh, conserving and uh, putting on display. But the collection itself is is a, is a massive contribution to Kildare, and for when it's catalogued, and it'll take a lot of time, so a lot of work, mostly done by Carl in that. And when it is completed and catalogued, it'll be huge research for for people of Kildare because there's so much in it, and we're just delving into it at the moment. But it'll take a long time for it to be, to be of access then to the general public. So uh, this is uh, our processing room here um, that we have for um, special collections like this, that we've ac- acquisitions like this that have arrived into us. So we, we've, uh, as you can see, we have a large table here that we can use to spread out the documents, um, and uh, it's very useful um, to, to, to kind of get a handle on, on the collections as they arrive in, and it allows the archivist 
to um, space out the documents and, and go through. So as you can see, there's some visually um, spectacular material here as well. So standing in front of this large table with lots of documents and maps and deed books all spread out, archivist Carol Kiley first clarifies the family connections. We were going to go back and talk about the, the three families because that's what we have here. Is, is, is a collection that's come from a particular house, Drummond House, which was the Grattan family home until uh, the last surviving Grattan that lived there, Elizabeth, she died and she left the house to the de Courcy Wheeler family. Now, what I have tried to do is find a connection between the de Courcy Wheelers and the Grattans and I have not been able to do that. As far as I can see, the connection is when, when she leaves the estate to uh, Robert Cecil de Courcy Wheeler. Her sister also, Anne, who died a few years before her in 1915, she also leaves her estate, which is monetary, she didn't own Drummond, to Robert Cecil de Courcy Wheeler. And that is what I do not know why they did that. Now, they would have been neighbours, they would have known each other. But why they have, you know, why they left their estate to him, I don't know. They were surviving maiden and sisters. They, they didn't have any, all of their brothers and sisters were, were deceased. So that's how the two of them ended up with, with the house and with the land. So you have the Wheeler family who are, have a long association with Kildare. Um, they were originally, they had, they had associations with Wicklow. But by the time that William Ireland de Courcy Wheeler, who was known as Surgeon Wheeler, who lived from 1844 to 1899, by the time he um, is having his children, they are a very much a Kildare, Dublin Kildare family. So he has a medical practice, a very successful medical practice in Dublin. And he divides his time between his, his, his kind of coming to Kildare, but he's based in Dublin as well. And his children are kind of born between the two counties. Um, he is the man who takes the de Courcy name into the Wheeler family. And he does that in 1897. And he said that he was doing it to incorporate his mother's ancestral titles into his, the Wheeler family. Um, so it's quite late in the day that that is added into the, to the, the surname. But William's a JP. He's a high sheriff. Um, he served in the army medical department. So a very, very successful surgeon, medical man. Um, but he died quite young of typhoid fever and left his children relatively young. And his heir was Robert Cecil, who was 23, 24 when he inherited everything, which is very young. Um, a very lar- he'd have, They had a very large family, uh, very successful, a lot of medical um, people in the family, soldiers in the family. So really interesting family to explore. And unfortunately, none of the material that we have here relates to the wheelers we don't have any of their papers there's well, one or two such a shame coming out of Drummond house yes yes one or two little pieces um relate to robert cecil and the, and his wife mabel there's a little bit about them but very very little and then when we come on to robert cecil when he died um his uh, estate passed to his son cecil grattan de Courcy wheeler and we've a little bit more material relation to Cecil and his wife Pamela and their son Grattan. But again, not what you would expect from a house the size, you know, that they lived there for so long. Now, we hope to get more information on them and maybe there are more papers still to be discovered in the house. But as it stands, unfortunately, the de Courcy Wheeler papers are not, were not in Drummond House. 
So much of what we're looking at belonged to the Neil Quaker family. And to find out the connection between the Neils and Drummond House and why the papers ended up there, Carl explains. A lot of the material relates to the Neil family of Newington. And the reason that the papers have ended up in Drummond, even though the Neils were not, had no relationship with Drummond, is because... Um, Joseph Manley Neal, who was also a medical doctor, and I think this is one of the connections between all these families, because the Grattan family actually had medical connections, the Wheelers had medical connections, and the Neals in the later years were medical people. So I think all of these people were in, were involved in that way, in maybe business-wise or in those circles, and that's how they all knew each other. But Joseph Manley Neal married Anne Jane Wheeler, so Joseph Manley Neal is the descendant of Abraham Neal and Samuel Neal. And I think that when, when uh, he married Anne Jane Wheeler, the Neal papers joined into the Wheeler family. You know, that that's, that that's where they came to, together. Those two families joined up and the papers that related to um, Joseph Manley Neal's father, grandfather and great-grandfather, he, they, came, they, they came with him. And it was extraordinary to find all these papers dating back to the early part of the 1700s and in good order. Well, the Quakers are great uh, record keepers. They they keep excellent records of all of their business, whether it's uh, uh, religious business, uh, you know, personal business. They're very good at keeping records and managing their records. They, they you know, they, they're great letter writers, great business people, set up many successful businesses in Ireland. And I think that they were just very organised about sorting and keeping the records and then when the records came with Anjan um, she must have just left them as they had been collected and they are even though they were in suitcases and boxes and they're quite dirty they're actually in really good order when you open them up so no one has interfered with them as I said to you earlier I don't think anyone had looked at them for for a long 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 time so they may just have been moved into Drummond and then put in a corner and forgotten about. Now this is very much um, as we open bundles and we, we kind of find things. Um, so you, you're going from things like, you know, a map of Fay Cullen, the estate of Samuel Neal, um, which is, you know, he's set it out. It's, it's a beautiful coloured map. Um, he's got all the townlands and the farms marked. Um, it's very, you know, it's a detailed map, Connor's Farm, Malone's Garden. So to local people, this would, me- would mean a lot because you would probably find that a lot of these uh, names have survived to the present day. And then that is actually attached to an indenture made in um, made by um, Samuel Neal and William Orford. Uh, and it relates to this particular um, part of the lands of Fay Cullen. Um, containing 55 acres, two roods and 10 perches. So they're obviously coming to an agreement about the, um, the holdings of the, uh, the holding of this, of this um, land. And this was in um, 1818. So just it gives you an idea of how early some of this material is. And this is in immaculate condition. It's a little, a little creased, but it's, it's perfect. Mm. Considering, yes, as you said, how yeah. old it is. But um, it's extraordinary when you do look at a map first and then um, you look closely at it and you can identify uh, so much. It's, it tells you so much, Yes, it does, it? yeah, yeah. I mean, mm. what we also have here, there's, there's, and there's a number of these in the collection. 
Um, so these would be the creditors of Thomas Neal, deceased, and Samuel Neal then would be his administrator. So we have a very large document here, and it's laying out. So Samuel, Thomas Neal of Rathangan in the county of Kildare, lately died in testate and without having made a will. So Samuel Neal of Newington, who would be his son, sorry, his eldest brother, sorry, um, is acting as his um, executor on behalf of his, his, his children. And you can see again how absolutely perfect this document is, how the, the condition of it is amazingly good. And what was wonderful to see were these pamphlets and booklets that were discovered in the collection. I mean, again, as we've gone through the collection, we have found other interesting oddities, I suppose, um, there's a lot of little pamphlets that um, the Quakers would have produced. Um, and, I mean, I've never seen this kind of thing before. There may be samples of this kind of material in the um, Society of Friends Library in Dublin, but they're obviously pamphlets that were um, circulated amongst the Quakers. So this, for example, is a retreat for persons afflicted with disorders of the mind. Um, and as we're, as we're going through it, we're finding these little booklets. Um, this is the auction again. This is... Um, uh, 1804. So this is like a, a bill, a sale, a bill for a bill of sale that you would be advertising that these lands are going to be sold. Um, and again, so you can see the variety of material here. I mean, so these these would all be bills. Then we're into kind of letters. Um, and I wanted just to show you this then. There's a meeting of the committee appointed to prepare the resolutions of the Rathangan Association, which is in 1801. And this was in the aftermath of the 1798 rebellion. Um, there was a lot of unrest and civil unrest. That continued for a number of years. You know, the country was in turmoil. And this is a sort of a local association who were going to try and deal with it themselves, kind of a vigilante organisation, because there's nobody else to... To do it, so that's a very interesting thing. I've never seen anything like that before. And to accompany that, then we have the list of persons who suffered losses in their property in County Kildare in 1798. Now, this was in very poor condition when we got it. It was very, very crumpled, but we've cleaned it, and it's actually, you know, it, it needs a little bit more work, but it's in better condition than when we got it. And this lists everybody: the claimant. Um, what they were, whether they were a publican, a widow, a farmer, their residence, um, where the loss was um, suffered by them, because sometimes these people lived in Dublin, but they had lands in Kildare. Sometimes they lived in Kildare, and the residence was where the loss had been suffered. The nature of the loss, and then the amount they were claiming. And I was really fascinated to see this, because this was a document uh, that listed uh, the amount of properties that were damaged during the 1798 rebellion and it showed Drummond House having a lot of damage and a lot of compensation looked for. Got Grattan there so you've got Richard Grattan and Anthony Grattan, Drummond and Kilmore. So that again is because Drummond was a Grattan house not a not, it wasn't a Neil house or a, a Wheeler house. And what, what, what was their loss? So Richard is an esquire and he's living in Kildare and his property is, is at Kildare as well. And if I can just go, house and mill, cattle furniture, provisions. And he is claiming £353, 5 shillings and 11 and a half pence. 
And Anthony Grattan is at Kilmore and he's claiming for cattle, corn and meal, which would have been destroyed, obviously, and he's only claiming £15, three shillings and three and a half pence. So, obviously, um, Richard, you know, there was a substantial loss there, um, which, he's, which he's claiming for property destroyed. This is what I was saying about the bundles. You just don't know what's going to be in them. Mm. Um, this is another more of an example up here on this box. So again, I have house plans which I haven't been able to establish yet who, who they re- where they relate to. Um, we have a survey that was done for Samuel Neal um, uh, for uh, Tubber in, in County Kildare. Um, again, tiny little plans and then the details of, of the holding and how much it was worth. Uh, this is another example of their account keeping and how you can see how meticulous it is and how detailed it is. And we're in back into the 1780s there. Okay, t- uh, uh, um, talk, talk me through some of those. Well, I, I mean, there's an awful lot of... Like I say, they, they are selling constantly and a lot of it is... Um, agricultural business so you know pigs oats bees um so each item is 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 listed on this so these are the detailed accounts that the neils were keeping for their for their um their agricultural business and again this is another account um samuel neil his account with um solomon sproul and this these would both be quakers solomon sproul would be a quaker as well and again 1797 and then the everything that's going in and out what they're paying um, in and out. What are they paying? Well, they're paying out... So this is for herrings. um, This is for um, wool. So, you know, each thing, mutton. And as they, you know, and then he's paying money to Bewley's um, and he's listing out the people that he's, he's paying for goods and he's paying people for various services, all very meticulous. Yeah. Uh, and as I say, this is, you know, we have, we have a number of these just, that just relate to Solomon Sproul going from 1797 to 1804. I mean, it's, it's, it, the detail is incredible. And they're so, this, the condition of that is perfect yeah. for yeah. something that's so old. As I say, once they're unra- unwrapped from the bundles, um, their, 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 their internal condition is quite good. And something that could have been so easily missed, it stood alone in the bottom of a box and it was a rent book. This was kind of just in a, the bottom of one of the boxes and it's a survey of the lands of Gerardstown. And it was done oh, so for done for Messrs O'Neill um, in 1829, surveyed by John Clark. And describe it now. Describe well, it's a sort it. of, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very narrow, maybe maybe three and a half inches wide by about seven or eight inches long, eight, nine, and it's it's a little kind of ledger um, with a paper cover. And when you open it up, you have lists of names of tenants. So you have the person's name and uh, the name of the piece of ground. So we've potato ground, rabbit field, and we have our acres, roods and perches, and then the, the pounds, shillings and pence. So I think these are tenants and this is what their holdings are, and this m- may be what they're what they're renting is. Now you can see the handwriting is beautiful; it's all hand drawn. So, so this so may it's so easy to read, and this may be you know one of the few sources that that these people may appear in, because it's so early. It's you know 1829. Okay, we do have some parish registers of that period, it's but before the famine. 
Yes, and you're also getting people east of Rabbitfield. It's very, very specific. So they give the and these people, yeah, and these people are all obviously living in that area. So it kind of puts them in that that point at that time. Um, and yeah, there's there's a lot of names in there. Uh, give me the some of the place names. So we have Potato Ground, and we have the Rabbitfield, and we have east of the Rabbitfield. So it's very specific. And our challenge now is to find out more about these places and where they are. And then we have the corn acres, and again we have the names of the people. Um, so, you know, just, just to sort of see what they're holding, and some of the names, you know, the Corcorans, Bruton, Everard, um, Fox, Cawley. So again, it'll be interesting to see what those names, who these people are, and for a researcher to take something like this and maybe, you know, investigate it further and try and trace the families in the area would be really interesting. And another most unusual map in the collection, which dated back to the late 1700s, showed the locations of the Quakers around Ireland. Now, this was in really, really poor condition. Um, it's torn, but it was very, very dirty. It was well dirty. handled, so yeah. in its time. Again, yeah. it was one of the things that was just kind of open in a box. So this is a map of the Friends meetings in Ireland in 1794. So it shows you all of the towns um, that the Quakers had a meeting house or held a meeting. And then you have the schedule then. So you have the half-year meetings, the quarterly meetings, and the monthly meetings, and then the subdivisions of the meetings. So it's all, this is your programme of events for the year. And what and date is this, ma'am? This is 1794. Mm, my so, goodness. And again, it's it's quite dirty, but it's actually quite in quite it's quite robust. It, the paper is quite heavy. It's kind of a poster style. Um, so, document. no Quakers in Kerry. No, there doesn't seem to be that many. We can see there. I mean, the whole west of Ireland and, and the southwest, in the east, right? mostly in the east, and obviously the north of Ireland as well. Yes. Very prominent, obviously in Waterford and Tipperary as well. There's a lot of Quakers lived in. Um, Clamell and 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 various parts of water, but obviously concentrated within the Pale and just beyond it. I mean, Kings County and Queens County again. I mean, they, these will be very um, traditionally associated with with Quaker settlements. But when you look at their correspondence, they frequently this was kind of their entertainment, I suppose. They would go to other meetings. This was a social thing. They'd go to other meetings to meet other Quakers, maybe to sort of on the hunt for a husband or a wife trying to extend their social yes. circle. And they also went, a lot of them, because they preached, they went from meeting to meeting and they would kind of spread the word. And, and uh, this was the kind of, the, they used to do circuits. So they were very interconnected as a group of people. And I think you do begin to see that from the documents, the names that are popping up. They're all doing business with each other and they're marrying each other as well. That's, you know, they're, they're intermarrying always. The Quakers are m- marrying each other. Yeah. So once we put the whole... Um, you know, there's, they're an extensive family, the Neils, and it's it's a lovely thing that has survived because we're able to trace that family in Kildare now from the very, very early 1700s. So, you know, between... So we've got one, two, three, four, five generations of Neils. So a Samuel mm-hmm. to a Samuel to an Abraham to a Samuel to Joseph Manley Neil, who marries... Um, Anjan Wheeler. And so what about the Grattans of Drummond House? And was there a family connection with the Henry Gratton? The connection with the Grattans, because obviously the Grattans were Drummond House. I mean, it was, it was their home for the longest. The, the Gratton family are... The Gratton family are... 
uh, very involved, in the, well, they have legal um, profession, medical profession, and a lot of, uh, a lot of them became um, vicars. So I was trying to find out what the connection was to Henry Grattan, because this has been mentioned a few times as to how do the Grattans that lived at Drummond relate to Henry Grattan. So what, what I can establish is that Elizabeth, who was the, the woman who left the house to the de Courcy Wheeler family, she is the great-great-granddaughter of a great-uncle of Henry Grattan MP. Now, I know that sounds complicated, but <laughs> basically, Henry Grattan um, was the son of a man called James Grattan. And Henry Grattan, the famous Henry Grattan, had a grandfather called Henry Grattan. He was called after his grandfather. And Henry Grattan MP's grandfather and James Grattan were brothers. And it's James Grattan who is the Drummond Grattan. So Elizabeth is um, the great-great-grand... Sorry, James is the great-great-grandfather of um, Elizabeth, which means that James was the great-uncle of Henry. But the Grattans in Drummond um, are definitely related to Henry Gratton. So Elizabeth was related to Henry. And, and making that discovery is, 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 is such an important link, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. and Drummond I think that the fact that the de Courcy Wheelers then took that name because they did move into the Gratton home that had been there for so many generations. So the yeah. idea of taking the name Gratton then into the de Courcy Wheeler family obviously stems from this, that so they wanted to honour the connection to the Grattans. Yeah. So for all of these years, these family papers lay hidden in the attic of Drummond House. And I wonder what Grattan de Courcy Wheeler would have thought of all of this if he was alive today. And you can see that when you're in the house in his collection of books. Um, so he's collected extensively, um, you know, all sorts of books on Irish history. And um, he had some beautiful maps. So that was obviously where his interests lay. Um, and it's maybe a pity that that wasn't something that he could have gone into more in his life, you know, that be- become an academic or whatever, because I think that would have been what would have really interested him. And what I'm really sorry about is that I didn't get to meet him when we- all this was discovered, because I don't know, we don't think that he knew all this was there and he would have been absolutely fascinated by it. And that's a real pity that it was in that house, in the attic or whatever, and he didn't know it was there or maybe didn't realise what was in it. Um, and it would have been lovely to have um, to have gone through it with him and to have kind of explored it with him. And I think that's a lesson to a lot of people who have papers is to sort them out while you can. And, you know, if you don't want them or you, you feel that they should have a home in an archive, donate them and let people have access to them because that is going to be the beauty of this, that the generosity of the de Courcy Wheeler family, we are now going to be able to make this collection available to the public in Kildare and wider public. And that's really important because these things don't live in boxes. They live in archives when people can access them. So tell me, Kevin, how important is this find? Well, um, I'll go back to the day I met, we went uh, to Drummond House and where we first encountered this collection. And obviously the, the age of it immediately we knew. But once I saw the Neil family on it, 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 immediately I was aware of the significance of the Neil family. I mean, two years ago, we had a local historian that was actually doing research on the Neils and Newington House in particular, trying to get the background to the house. And I remember at that time, 
it was we were able to get some material from but we obviously we were not aware of all this phenomenal material here that came out of Drummond House regarding the Neils and it's going to fill a lot of the gaps from that point of view so it's a huge huge um, um, accession for Kildare Library and Arts Service so uh, Morris we just um, like to thank Irish Life and Laura and Morris and, and Jane um, for putting us in touch with this collection and, and for recording it and giving us an opportunity to describe to the general public what is actually here in, uh, as part of the donation from Drummond House. Um, and we're very, very grateful um, for this. Yeah. We've come to the end of this week's podcast and you've been listening to Kevin Murphy, Carl Kiley and James Dorney at the Local Studies Archive in Kildare Town in County Kildare. And without their enthusiasm and their great work in investigating and archiving the Drummond House papers, this would never have happened. So my name is Maurice O'Keefe and I look forward to bringing you another podcast next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>